This is teaching night, so welcome to teaching night. We teach at night. That's about it. We teach Jesus, teach the Bible, teach love, teach truth. Truth sets you free. Truth makes you, you finally find out who you are when you find truth. Anyone experience that? When you finally found truth and just goes, <gasps> anyone know that feeling? A lot of people say it's a real thing. I'm not making it up. It's not all in my head. Um, anyway. <laughs> um, what, what we do is we teach Jesus and we teach um, the Bible. We teach, we teach um, all the good stuff. Like we teach truth. We like, oh, come on. How many people are just like, they want, they want to know what's right and what's true. I just want to know which way to go. Like that's what we're going to teach tonight. That's what I'm going to teach every single week. The way to go. There's only one way. Jesus. He says, I'm the way, the truth, the life. He makes it very, very obvious. Is there two ways, Jesus? No, just one way. Which way is that? Me. Oh, sweet. Okay, that's easy. Um, yeah, cool. But we try and argue with that. You know what I mean? We try and overthink it. Jesus is like, no, keep it simple. Keep it real. One way, one truth, one life, him. If I could sum up teaching that, that would pretty much be it. But we need to go deeper than that so he becomes big and real. Um, cool. So what we've been doing is, week by week, going through teachings of the Bible, teachings about Jesus, teaching about who you are and him, how he sees you, how you're supposed to see him. And then as these things come out, right, we, we hit a roadblock because our minds overthink it, our minds doubt, our minds get attacked, our minds da-da-da-da-da. And all of a sudden, it doesn't matter what I'm teaching, you don't receive it and you don't enter into it. Does that make sense? So I hate that because it sells people short of their destiny, of their value, of their incredible potential because truth is not being received. Is that making sense? Pretty basic concept, right? So we've been going through smashing topics. This is like week 11 or something, I don't know. Um, we've been smashing topics left, right and center, starting with truth. How can we actually know what, what, what we think about God is actually right? Like that's probably a good place to start, right? Otherwise, why would you listen to me? Seriously, I could be some crackpot and you guys are <laughs> wasting your time. But if I'm preaching truth right, then you should come. So, you know what I mean? Like, let's, let's teach you guys how to actually discern what's right and what's not right. You know what I mean? Um, then we hit faith. Faith is receiving something that you cannot see and then it becomes something that you can see. That's what faith is. You fix your eyes on something that you cannot see and then it pours through into your life. That's what faith does. Faith is a connection between you and the truth of God. Without faith, truth is useless. You can hear it preached at you your whole life and it will do absolutely nothing because you need to receive it for yourselves. So, and then we hit a couple other things. But what I want to do tonight, so this is really strange, is that I actually had topics planned out for this whole, this whole like teaching night thing for ages. And then last or two weeks ago, God was like, interrupt that and preach this. And so I was like, really? And I didn't even get why, but he was like, no, no, do it. And I was like, okay. So I put it in my little calendar thing. And then last week when Luke was preaching, legit, Holy Spirit inside of me was so excited for tonight. I'm not kidding. It was just like, he was just like vibrating. And I was like, oh my gosh, I can't wait to teach next week. Seriously. So he's going to do something tonight. Like, because he gave me that topic for a reason. And we're going to hit a big topic tonight and I'll unveil what that is in a second. But I'm going to let the anticipation build just a little bit more. Um, it's good. Um, quick thing before we actually get into the, the, the thick of things tonight. I have a, an awesome announcement. So in uh, November last year, 
a few of us went down to Melbourne to this conference called Empowered and it was awesome. And we had some good times, we made some great friendships, whatever, all that good stuff. One time, me and my wife Amber, she's not here tonight, but she really wanted to be, we're hanging out with Jess Bath and we were taking her to the conference because we just kind of ran late that morning. And she was just telling us about how, all those things about her life and uh, she kind of just mentioned that she just like in a passing little comment, like, I just want to maybe do an African mission one day. And I was like, I just like, Holy Spirit just lit that up to me at that moment. And he was like, I want you guys to send her. And I was like, cool, okay. And so literally since then, this is like two, three months ago, I've been thinking about it so, so much, but she wasn't even sure she was going to do it at that point. And there's been this whole journey of just like, do I do it? Do I not do it? Money, not money, da, 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 da. And then finally she's like, I'm going to do it. So what we're going to do is, I'm going to post a link on uh, Worship Night, the Facebook group. If you're not in that group, please get in it. Ask me, I can add you or Jason. And then we're going to give money, not to me, to Jess. <laughs> and to my sister Haley. she's not here tonight either, but she's also going on the same um, mission trip. And to Nick France. Is he here tonight? No, I don't think he is. Um, he's coming. All right, he's late. Um, yeah, that's right. I, I forgive him. Um, but we, want, we just want to bless and send these guys. You know what I mean? I reckon we can literally raise thousands of dollars. Like, I honestly have been saving for this since November. Oh, like, just putting a little bit each way, like, away each week and just being like, can't wait to give that. So I'm, I'm keen to just, like, chuck some money in there tomorrow. But, like, yeah, Jess, we just want to so bless you. I know you don't love this attention right now, but it's good. It's good. And I reckon we're going to, like, just... Who's keen for that? Who's keen to, like, just pour into that? Like, isn't that such a good thing? She's going to... Um, is it Iris Mission School? Yeah. Um, with Heidi Baker. Who knows Heidi Baker? Yeah. Heidi is amazing. She's just like pure emanating love. Like she's incredible. Like it's going to be a life-changing thing for sure. And we just want to bless you and send you. And I reckon it's going to be an awesome time. So yeah, I'm super excited about that. Like I'll post updates on how much we're getting in, that sort of thing. And do, you, do you need money, Jeff? Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. You got, you got nothing? Yeah. yeah. Sweet. Come on. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> That's why he gave me the thought, because he knows. He knows. He loves you. Um, yeah, so I'm super excited to see what, what's going to happen with that. Um, so I'll post a link tomorrow on that, and we can all just chuck whatever you feel led um, into that pot, and we'll see how big it gets. Um, cool. All right. That's my announcement for tonight. All right. Uh, I'm going to tell you a story about my childhood. It involves my mom. My mom's over there. She's amazing. Um, if you've never met my mom, she's like, I actually thought for a season in my life that she was Jesus, like come back. <laughs> no, no, I'm not kidding. I was, I was like, she doesn't ever sin. Like I don't, I don't get it. <laughs> anyway, this, this story, like, sorry, mom, I didn't actually, I, I wrote this story. I mean, I put this story in before I knew you were coming. So I can't help it. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, I was probably eight years old. So let's wind the clock back to 1998, almost 20 years ago, right? So I'm 27. For those of you who do math, um, I was watching. Uh, it was like Australia versus New Zealand rugby league, and for some reason I, I'm not really into it now. But back then I was like frothing on it, and I really wanted to make this um, Go Australia flag so I could just sit in my room. I don't know, just <laughs> wave it and just support Australia. Um, and so I made it. I made this little um, paper thing and wrote Go Australia, Go Aussies, something like that all green and gold and kangaroo and all that sort of stuff. And then, but the problem was I didn't have like a stick to put it on. And so 
I was like, Mom, I really need like a stick. Do you remember this, Mom? This no. is, yeah, long time ago. <laughs> um, um, <laughs> um, I was like, I need a stick, Mom. Can you, can you help find like a stick or something? She was like, oh, okay, sure. And then she just went off and then she came back like 15, 20 minutes later and she'd, um, she'd gotten a, you know, like a wooden spoon. She'd gotten a wooden spoon and taped it on for me and gave it to me. And I was like, here you go, Nate, here's your flag. And I was just, I was like, oh my gosh, thank you so much. And then, no, literally, this was a full-on spiritual thing that happened next. I'm not kidding. I, I started, like, bawling. I was so overwhelmed by love. I was like, you just care so much about me. Oh my gosh, that you would go and, like, find new ideas and, like, put this little thing together. And, like, you don't care about a kid's little flag, but you do. That's a thing. Like, most people wouldn't, but you did. And you gave it to me and I was just so blessed. And I started crying and then I saw you were having dinner with um, some others and I called you down. I was like, mom, come here. And then I was crying and then you were like, what's wrong? And I was like, I'm just so thankful. You're just so lovely to me. And I was just like, I was just blown away. And that's never happened before. Hasn't happened since in that same sense, but I was literally taken back. I'll explain why I told that story in just a second. But yeah, um, so I'm gonna talk tonight. Here's the topic about the goodness of God. Pretty simple, right? The goodness of God. Now, yeah, it's awesome. Um, yeah, like I said before, I feel like he really wanted me to say this. And at the time, I didn't realize why he wanted me to say it, but now I'm kind of getting it. If you don't see his good, there's no possible way you're going to come near to him. Mm. How on earth are you going to be intimate with someone that you can't even trust? Am I right with that? <laughs> Uh, th let's just take this ridiculous example. It's, this is, I'm, I'm stating this beforehand. It's ridiculous. But I actually feel like it has some parallels with our relationship with God, right? Let's just say me and Amber were hanging out. And every 10th time we, we hugged, right, I slapped her in the face. <laughs> no, seriously. Like, ma imagine that, right? She'd be like, what, what the heck? And she goes, why'd you do that? I'd be like, just my will. I just want to... Just want to do that. <laughs> no reason. Is she, is there any possible chance from that point moving onwards that she's going to be, want to be close to me? Like, who would? Seriously. You cannot be intimate with someone that you cannot trust. Like, if every time you go in for the hug, you're like, oh, is this the one in town? Like, I, I don't know. Like, <laughs> bracing yourself. Do you know what I mean? But that makes sense, right? I know it's a stupid example. <laughs> But you get the idea. Like that's honestly sometimes how we think about our relationship with God. It totally is. It's like we're praying, walking close with God, we're expecting Him to do amazing things and then horrible things happen. And we're like, what the heck? What was that? And God's just like silent, just like, sovereign. Do it. <laughs> that honestly, that like, is it a surprise that we're not intimate with Him? If that's how you, if, that, if that's how you view his administrative will, his overall, God's in charge of everything, everything that happens must have been God, there is zero chance that you're going to be intimate with that person because you cannot even trust him. Seriously. You're going to be way closer with people in your life because at least they won't do that to you. At least they won't slap you in the face when they go for a hug. <laughs> Seriously. Now, I know I'm talking like crazy right now, but this is actually how som sometimes we think about God. This thing happened to me, and the, sec the first thought, I pin it on him. Pin it on him straight away. Forgetting the whole thing that there's a devil, <laughs> that there's sin in the world, that I ain't perfect, that I'm growing. We ignore all that and we go, God, how could you? <laughs> we do it. Um, 
So I'm going to hash that out a bit tonight. Um, so this topic, I guarantee you, it will bring up questions. And that's okay, I like questions, but I really don't like questions when the point is to have a dig at what I'm saying. I like inquisitive questions. When people are like genuinely seeking after truth, they're like, I actually want to know the answer to this question. But you know how sometimes you can ask a question and be like, so what you're saying is da 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 da, and you can tell the person asking the question is zero interest in the answer. Do you know what I mean by that? They're just having a dig. So I don't like that. Let's not create a culture of that. If you have a genuine question, if you have a concern, come talk to me afterwards. But if you have a question that you want another answer to, please raise your hand and then I'll call you out. But let's just keep it, does that make sense? Like that. Because this can, it, honestly, this will bring up emotional stuff. It will. It's, it's, it's going to do that, this topic. It's hard. Like, people in this room have buried people recently. And this is going to touch on that. You know what I mean? How you process that. Like, it's hard. Yeah. It's, a, it's a big topic. So, um, the devil doesn't, I've heard this before, the devil doesn't counterfeit one dollar coins. Like no one does that. Sorry, the devil doesn't, sorry, that doesn't make sense. No one counterfeits one dollar coins, right? If you're gonna fake some money, like make your own money, you're not making a dollar coin. It's like you're gonna get nowhere with that. It's gonna take ages and not gonna be worth much. You're gonna do hundred dollar bills, right? Satan doesn't go after the little mini topics in theology. He goes after the big boys. God is good. If I can make you think that he actually isn't good, even though you say he is because you know you have to, because every Christian says he's good, right? But not everyone genuinely in the heart is like, oh my gosh, you are so good, I cannot believe it. So that's the right answer. But if you can't see that, you're not seeing it correctly. Does that make sense? So the devil goes after, no, God's not actually good. And if he can get you to think that way, like, like he did with Eve, right? Did God really say that? She goes, yeah, he did say that. And he goes, yeah, but the thing is, what he's not telling you is, he's actually hiding something from you. And he twists, he twists God's word. You know what I mean? He's actually not a good dude. He's actually not on your team. You think he is, he's actually not. Twisting, accusing, lying. If he can attack this topic and make you think, and then honestly back up, back up what you think with scriptures that seem to defend your point, and then even life scenarios that defend your point, you will struggle to be intimate with God. Because you won't see him as good, you won't see him as someone you can trust, and you will not be intimate with him. It's just not possible. Awesome. Um, also fell in my heart last week when Luke was preaching that if you want to send any talk from teacher night to a friend, let's just say you just want to share it around, this is the one. God told me to say that. I didn't even think of that at the time. He was just like, this is the one. Anyway, he knows what's going to happen. Oh, wow. Okay. So... I got lots of notes, so be, get comfortable tonight. This could go for a while. I'm okay with that, though. Um, firstly, like I said, every single Christian believes God is good. Like, no, one doubt, no one's going around going, God is bad. Like, if you're a Christian and you believe the Bible, you basically have to say God is good because it's in there. And no one's going, he's not actually that good. No, everyone goes, no, he is so good. But what's actually not common around all believers is that in their heart, they are exploding with worship at his goodness. That's what's lacking. And that's what I want to get people to tonight. If you can go, if you can be overwhelmed by his goodness, I feel like I've, I've done a good job. <laughs> and that's the dream. When you, that, and that's when you're actually seeing him right. Because you know in your heart of heart, he actually is right, like that, right? But you just can't see him like that up here. You're like, well, why did that happen? Or why did this happen? Or da, 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 da. And you start letting life define him rather than the word defining him, right? Does that make sense? 
I'm gonna I'm gonna retell this whole story and I'm gonna show you that God is freaking amazing. Like more than you could ever possibly even conceive of. Like when you see him, you will be so overwhelmed at his goodness. I promise you that. I promise you that. <laughs> um so good. So yeah, the reason I told you that story about my, me and my mom was because I actually got to a point in my life where I'm so blessed to have my mom. She's amazing. She just loves Jesus so much. I'm so blessed to have that. I actually got to a point in my life where I thought genuinely my mom was better than God. Totally. Because if I called out to her for help, she'd come as fast as possible and do whatever she could to help. Whereas when I cried out to God for help, I'd hear nothing. You know what I mean? <laughs> if I asked her for anything, she'd be like, here you go, done. Even if it wasn't necessarily a good thing, she'd be like, sure, just have it. <laughs> <laughs> no, nah, I'm just kidding. Um, but I didn't feel like God did that. I feel like she was always there. If I had a problem, she would listen. I didn't feel like God did that. She was always around just watching over me. I didn't feel like God was like that. And I got to this point where I was like, I actually genuinely think my mom is better than God. And then I knew in my head, as soon as I thought that way, something's up. Because that is actually impossible. How could the, a creature be greater than its creator? It's not possible. So I knew I had something wrong, but I didn't know how to get there to a place where I was like, oh, I see how good you are, God. Does that make sense? I knew it was wrong. And if you, if you feel like you've, you've met people in your life who are like, these people are so amazing, and you actually think that they're better than God, please, you're not seeing it right. God is so amazing. I'm getting that though. Oh, so good. Um, come on, come on. All right, flip your Bibles open. Luke 11. Luke 11, starting verse 5. Thank you, Jesus. Luke 11, starting from verse 5. ESV on apps. And he said to them, okay, a bit of context first. He's chatting to his disciples. His disciples said, teach us how to pray couple of verses before that he teaches them exactly how to pray word for word and then he said to them following that and he said to them which of you who has a friend will go to him at midnight and say to him friend lend me three loaves for a friend of mine has arrived on a journey and i have nothing to set before him and he will answer me and he will answer from within do not bother me the door is now shut and my children are with me in bed i cannot get up and give you anything I tell you, though he will not get up and give you anything because he is his friend, yet because of his impudence or persistence, he will rise and give him whatever he needs. And I tell you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and, the, and it will be opened to you. Highlight that verse. For everyone who asks, receive. And the one who seeks, finds. And to the one who knocks, it will be opened. What father... <laughs> Among you, if his son asks for a fish, will instead give him a serpent, or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion. 
If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? Wow. Okay, so, big idea of that. Jesus is saying, God is far better than you think, right? He's saying, I know you think that God is this person where you pray, you ask for something, and then you think He actually throws you something else to teach you a lesson. He's like, God, can I have, Father, can I have an egg? And He throws a scorpion at you. I know you think that way. That's why he's being so dramatic there. He's being like, no, no father on this earth would do that, right? Any, like maybe a crazy one, but a good one would not throw a scorpion at their child when they ask for breakfast. Do you get the idea? It's extreme and it's like, I don't know the word, the English term for it. But Jesus is saying, okay, if, if you who has a sinful nature, so this is before Jesus has been glorified, so everyone has a sinful nature, right? If you, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, look, even non-believers give good gifts to their children, right? Everyone does. Everyone takes care of their own kids, mostly. If you can do that, how much more will God do that? What he's saying is, if you ask for something and it's a good thing for you, 100% God will give it to you. Am I reading that wrong? Did not Jesus just say that? If you ask you will receive. If you seek, you will find. If you knock, it'll be open to you. <laughs> okay. He definitely says that, right? Can I just get everyone agreeing? Yeah. He yeah. says yeah. that. 100%. He goes, if you ask for it, and it's a good thing, he will give it to you. So if I go, God, um, I'm actually really struggling to understand sin, right? 100% guarantee you he will teach me about it how is that a bad thing he's teaching me about the bible that's what he wants his kids to ask him right so then he will teach you and if you ask for an open door to a particular opportunity that's a good thing for you then he will give you that open door right now the reason i'm being so blunt right now is that everyone has done that and not everyone has received it right our experience is i have asked and i have not received I have sought and I have not found. I have knocked and the door wasn't open. That's our experience. So what do you do? Did Jesus lie? Maybe he was, t maybe you're just taking it too far how you interpret him. Maybe he didn't really mean that. This is what we start to do. We start to define, maybe God is actually da 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 da. And the reason that got you to that point was because life went a certain way. Does that make sense? And now you're redefining Jesus' words based on your circumstance, yeah. right? That's not even the big idea of tonight. But what I'm saying is, Jesus, Jesus is saying God is far more good than you can even imagine, right? Jesus is saying that. Jesus walks in that. And he walked in maybe the most horrible life ever. Betrayed by all friends, beaten, spat upon, after loving people and healing everyone that he came in contact with. Sounds great. Thought God was good, Jesus. He goes, he is. You don't know what you're talking about. He's good. <laughs> All right. Um, I will prove this to you. I'm just going to say it, by the way. I'm going to prove it to you. Um, uh, okay. <clears throat> I'm going to have to retell the story from the beginning, from the very beginning, from the creation of the universe, because we have built our understanding of particular things of God on false foundations. And if you do that, you can never have a good house because the foundation will crumble. 
100% it happened to me. I genuinely thought God hated me at some point, like I've told you before. And what happens next? You're not even a Christian. You're not even this. Crumble, 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 crumble. Relationship with God gone. That's what it felt like anyway. Does that make sense? We have to get the foundation right. We have to see Him right from the very beginning. From the, from the second He breathed and said, let there be light. What was His heart? What did He intend? Did He just go, oh, frick it, they're going to sin anyway. I'm just going to do it. Let, let Him suffer. <laughs> really? That sounds like a horrible father to me. <laughs> Yeah, I know my kids are going to stop. I'm just going to let them do it anyway. Who would do that in this room, honestly? Okay, so if we wouldn't do it, what, what chance does God have of doing that? Let's be real. Good. Um, all right, let's flip again. Genesis 1, 26. I'm not going to do the whole thing because it'll take me way too long. Ooh. Thank you, Jesus. Now, the, the point of me retelling this creation story from the very beginning is because I think the, the most common reason for not believing that God is actually good is because, quote, He allows evil. How many people have heard people say that about God? He didn't do it technically, but He allowed it to happen, so He may as well have done it. It's basically like, yeah, the devil was the one that did it, but God kind of was the puppeteer above the devil pulling the strings. Like... That is, oh, no wonder we have a hard time drawing near to God. When we have a view of God that's like that, he's pulling the strings of the devil who's like tormenting you. Like, no, see, it's the devil, but God's allowing it, right? No, that's, that's, see how insane that is when I put it like that? That's insane. That's crazy. <laughs> okay, Genesis 1, 26. If you study Genesis 1 and 2, you will see the heart of God and His intention for mankind. Doesn't that make sense, right? Before sin enters in chapter 3, you will see what He intended from the very beginning. So study these chapters, Genesis 1 and 2. You'll see, what, you, you'll see how good He is in these chapters. I'm not going to read the whole thing, but yeah. So context. He's just created everything except for man. He's created the earth. He's created the heavens. He's created birds. He's created water everything right and he goes it's all good see God's good he only creates good God doesn't create evil he creates good next uh, Genesis 1 26 then God said let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and, o- and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth so God created man in his own image In the image of God, He created him. Male and female, He created them. Now, a little bit later on, God says, after He looks at man and He goes, not just that it is good, it is very good. So when He created man, it was was very good. He was stoked. And you know why it was very good, whereas everything else was just good? It's because man was the first creature to accurately represent Him. Wow. And so, you cannot... Horses can't love, right? Like the image of God is, is love. That's the very core of His center of His being is pure love. And love is selflessness. 
pure and utter selflessness. I am after your good, not my own. That's what drives every single one of God's decisions. Right? Now, horses can't do that. Seahorses can't do that. And neither can donkeys. I'm not very creative tonight. Um, <laughs> but um, humans can. And the only reason that you can as a human is because you can choose not to love. Right? The only way that you can love is by being able to choose not to love. Otherwise, you would just be programmed to be a robot and you would just love, love, love. And that's actually not love because you're not denying yourself. See, love is denying yourself and helping someone else out. Right? Okay. So God is stoked because male and female, he created them in his own image, which just basically just means they look like him. We look like God. Or at least we did when we were created, right? We look like him. We imaged him. We're just, we're very similar to Him. I'm not saying we are God, but we accurately represent Him to the world. Now, what's the first thing He does when He creates them? Like literally the same sentence. He goes, And let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the heavens, and over the livestock, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. See, if, if I am made in God's image, then... I need to be able to rule over something or I will not actually accurately represent him because he's a ruler, right? I, if, if he just made me a servant, I'm actually not even representing him. You know what I mean? I actually have to have dominion over something. So immediately, in his image, in his likeness, rule over the whole earth, over every single living thing on this earth that's underneath you, right? Awesome. I'm just laying a foundation here. We'll get, we'll get into this in a second. Okay. Yeah, spend more time on that. <clears throat> See, we think that everything that happens in, on this earth was God, right? Or at least God allowed it. But didn't he put us in charge? Seriously. He says in Psalm 115, verse 16, The highest heavens belong to the Lord, but the earth he has given to mankind. So we look at the world and we go, what an absolute mess. God, where are you? And he goes, did I not put you in charge? Didn't he? Like, it's just, it's just basic. I'm just, I'm just reading this. We immediately, we put God in, we, we judge him straight away. We put him on trial. God, how could you? How could you? How could you? He's done nothing but good from the very beginning. He breathed life into us to enjoy him because he is perfect goodness and love, right? See, see find for me something evil here. Find for me something where it's like, I can't believe God did that. Because I, I struggle to find it in this. From the very beginning, God breathed good, right? So, now here's where it gets interesting. What happened to our authority and our dominion when we sinned? Did we keep it? Did we lose it? Did it get sort of downgraded? So that's the thing. If, if God's giving us charge and an option to choose Him and we don't choose Him, should he, should he then just come and just wipe us out? Like, I mean, he actually could. In, in all justice, he could. And he didn't because he's merciful. Mercy triumphs over uh, judgment, James says. What happened was, this is personally what I think happened. The enemy comes. The serpent comes to Eve and says what he says. He, li he lies to her and says, if you eat of this fruit, you will surely not die. And what does man do? had one command. 
And that's what made it beautiful as well. Because if there was no commands, there's no way you could have not chosen God. And so you were definitely a robot. Because that's why, that's why the tree's there. The only way you can get rewarded for doing something good is to have the option for doing something bad, right? You're not going to reward a kid for doing something good if you had literally no choice but to do it. <laughs> it makes no sense. You know what I mean? That's, what, that's why the tree's there. The tree's beautiful. I heard someone say this in a sermon a few weeks ago, and I really like this. The gates of heaven, when we get there, are going to be open. You can leave. If the gates were closed, it's a prison. <laughs> that's what makes it beautiful, is that you're like, I don't want to leave. I did 80 years of that down on earth, and that sucked compared to this. Why would I want to leave? But the beauty of it is, is that the gates are open. There's no forcing. Like, did you notice that when the serpent did come to Eve, God didn't show up with a flaming sword and say, get away, Satan. Could he have? Totally. How about when you go, I don't know, let's say you messed up and you looked at porn. Does God come in the room and go, don't you dare. Turn the computer off, smash it on the ground. I can't believe it. See, he doesn't. It wouldn't be beautiful. You'd be like, oh, conform straight, straight to whatever you say. Like a school teacher to a kid, right? Just like straight up. Ah, whack him. <laughs> if you do everything wrong. It's not beautiful. It's not beautiful at all. Oh, thank you, Jesus. So this is what I think happened. It says in Romans uh, 6, Paul writes, whatever you agree with or you obey, that's what you're a slave to, right? Makes sense, right? Whatever you're obeying, that's what you're a slave to. The enemy, so God gives one command, Satan gives another. There's two commands, right? Or two at least suggestions. Which one does man take? This one, right? The serpent. Believes the serpent over God. It's a man underneath the serpent. Because, check this out, Satan says this in Luke 4. This is when he's tempting Jesus in the desert. <coughs> it says, The devil led him up. So Luke 4, 5 and 6. The, you don't have to flip to it, but it's good. The devil led him up to a high place and showed him in an instant all the kingdoms of the world. And he said to him, I will give you all their authority and splendor. It has been given to me. And I can give it to anyone I want to. Who gave him the kingdoms? Who gave him all their splendor and their glory? How did Satan get this? It's because it was originally given to man. And we go, you have it. By agreeing with him. They didn't know what they were doing. They didn't know they were giving everything away. But they agreed with him instead of God. And they had that very simple choice. Don't eat the tree. It's not hard. It's not as if they accidentally stumbled into that. It was an intentional, volitional thing. They chose it. And, and you know what? God respects that. In, in every way, he disagrees with that, let me tell you. But he respected your decision to make that choice, right? So you cannot have intimacy with God if there aren't other gods out there that you could potentially worship. If, if he's the only one, like he puts Adam and Eve on the earth and is like, worship me, be intimate with me, relate to me. And they go, but there's, what else can we possibly worship? Like, imagine that if that was the case, right? And God's like, it doesn't matter about all that. I just want you to worship me. It's like, well, I don't have any choice. I guess I'll just worship you then. How is that in any way beautiful? It's not beautiful at all. Um, come on. So, what, what's God done wrong here, honestly? He's breathed life into these people out of just the overflow of joy and love in his own heart because he's a sharer. God's a sharer. 
he's not about himself. He's not sitting up in heaven being like, ah, oh, now I have it all the way I want it. He's like, I just want to create and bless others. That's where he got the joy from. And that's where you'll find your most joy too. When you get that revelation of love, that you're not a person that has needs anymore that needs to be met, that you just give to others. Lay yourself down. That's when you find joy. You probably won't find happiness there, but you'll find joy. Happiness is when everything goes well, right? Circumstantially. Joy is when this is amazing song singing in your heart being like this is what I'm created for oh my gosh this is amazing and you're, you're genuinely happy because the other person is happy that's, that's how God is <laughs> he's not he's not like I'm happy when they sting to me because it makes me feel like you know I actually am God again it's like <laughs> bro he, it says he inhabits the praises of his people he's walking around while we sing to him he's in, intimately woven into that moment oh my gosh he's not about just like sitting on the throne, just like, worship me. It's not him. That's, zero part of his heart is like that. Zero part of his heart. And you know that. Because we, even, even the world, esteems the most selfless people. Gandhi, Mother Teresa. We get that they have found something that we, the rest of us haven't. Because we know it. The most Im- Im- impacting, incredible people are the most selfless, right? They just didn't consider their life something to be held onto. They just sort of gave it away and said, I'm just going to bless other people with it. And we go, oh my God. And we get so convicted from that because we're like, yeah, but I just want to do my own business and my own thing and my own whatever. And Gandhi and Mother Teresa and, and Jesus and all these people that are just completely selfless just convict us, right? Because we know, our hearts know that life's only found when you lay yourself down and you love others and you love God. Does that make sense? All right. <laughs> um, yeah. So... I feel like a potential question that can come up with this is like, what about with the Old Testament, Nath? God's super, super wrathful. He's like pouring out wrath everywhere. He's like killing people. He's doing this. He's doing that. Okay, let me explain. As the second that sin came into the world, you saw a side of God that you were never intended to actually see. I don't believe. And that side of him, we all have it too. That side of him is his justice side. Now, justice is awesome and really, really good, but it sucks if you're a bad guy. <laughs> Does that make sense? If you're the one sinning, justice, it, you don't want justice. You want mercy. Trust me. You want mercy. So, we see this side of God, and actually we see it all throughout Old Testament because this, the world is ridden with sin. Even these people that he's poured grace into and mercy and given them all these amazing things, they're the ones that are probably sinning the most. You know what I mean? Because, and, and that, we see this side of God that it ain't pretty, but that's because sin ain't pretty. Like, sin is, like, like this is the, you've got to understand, the Old Testament is the law of sin and death. You sin, you die. God said it from the very beginning, eat of the, eat of the tree, you will die. He gave you fair, he gave, gave them fair warning, you know what I mean? And you go, but that's not just, Nate, that's not this, it's not that. Well, I think... The Old Testament gives an incredible example of how disgusting sin was, which makes us appreciate what Jesus did for us all the more, right? Mm. Um, Now, here's the thing. In the Old Testament, is God wanting to wipe out people? Is God wanting to just like send down these waves of fire? Is he wanting to do this? Is he wanting to do that? Does he want to do that? this This is the point, right? See, I'm trying to get at who God is and who his heart is. You may see, may see him doing something, but maybe he's doing that because he has to, right? See, I believe the Old Testament is God dealing with the world in the way that he has to because of sin. But the New Testament 
is him dealing with the world in the way he wants to through Jesus. He's far more interested in slaying his own son, crushing his own son, than anyone being put to death. That's the God that you serve. He's incredible. And Jesus was like happy to lay himself down. The joy set before him, right? Remember how I mentioned that a few weeks ago? The joy set before him, us, being connected with us. That's God. Come on. (laughs) Wow. Sorry. Oh. Thank you, Jesus. So, for example, if you were rude to my wife, or let's just say I had kids, and you were rude to my three-year-old daughter, or you pushed her or shoved her, you're going to see a side of me you don't want to ever see. And that I would actually prefer not to ever show. Do you know what I mean? You're going to see a side of anyone like that, right? And so what, what do we expect? Do we expect in, in a world ridden with sin and murder and rape and wars and everything that the Old Testament was filled with, do we expect God to be sitting back and chilling? I don't. But it just sucks though because we were the sinners. <laughs> we were the ones that on, on, on his, the enemy's side if we sinned, right? Keep going. Um, now I'll give you an example of this. Imagine that you were a kid and you had a dad who was a police officer and your parents had split up, right? And the only time that you ever got to see your dad, like let's just say circumstantially, the only time you could ever see him was when you went with him on duty, right? And you spent your entire childhood seeing your dad and hanging out with your dad while he's on duty. You might grow up thinking he's actually horrible (laughs) because you only ever see him doing his job and bringing justice and being loud and being forceful in someone's face. But you get that he has to, right? As a police officer, you have to. And so you've seen a side of him that, yeah, that is part of him for sure. I'm not denying that about God. But there's probably a whole side to that dad, right, that you never got to see because you never got to hang out with him on the weekend when he was off duty, hanging out and just wanted to have play games and whatever. You never got to see that side. And so your, your perspective of him was just way down here. You, you would think that he's just never really good. He's always in a bad mood. He's always just wanting to yell at someone and drop the law on them. <laughs> um, does that make sense? I hope so. Um, so good. Wow. So like I said, the Old Testament, the Old Covenant, the old way of doing things was the way that God had to deal with us because of sin. That's what You're going to see a lot of wrath. You're going to see a lot of plagues. You're going to see a lot of death in the Old Testament. Just letting you know, you will see that. And it's hard to read sometimes. I don't like reading it that much either. <laughs> but that's the way he had to deal with us because of sin. The New Testament, the New Covenant, the new way, the way that we are in right now. Thank you, God, that we're not born in the New Testament. Oh, sorry, Old Testament. Um, <laughs> um, is the way he wants to deal with us. The way he always intended to deal with us. It says Jesus was crucified, this will blow your mind, <laughs> before the foundation of the world. Like, it was always the plan. Maybe it's like, if they pick that tree, Jesus, you're going down. He's like, yeah, I know. Totally worth it. <laughs> um, do you get that? He actually, God, who do you know that would rather crush their own son than see you be crushed? Who do you know? Honestly, I don't know anyone. That would rather see someone close to them, intimately connected to them, crushed and suffer something, especially for something they did not do, so that you could go free, basically a stranger. That's God. 
That's his heart from the very beginning. You can trace that through the entire Bible. Just don't get confused by, yeah, but God did this and Job and Paul Thorne and da-da-da-da, all those things that come up, right? I'll talk about them later if we have time. We probably don't. Maybe next week. Um, does that make sense? <sighs> okay. Now, check this out. <laughs> it says in the New Testament, the Son, Jesus, is the image of the invisible God the firstborn over all creation. This is Colossians 1.15. Jesus is the image of the invisible God. What, when you see Jesus, who do you see? When you see the Son, who do you see? The Father. When you see Jesus, you see exactly what God is like. So you want to know God? Get in the Gospels. Matthew, Mark, Luke and John. John's my personal favorite. Get in it. It's amazing. Read it. And then you know what God's like. What about when, he, when they bring that woman, woman that was caught in adultery before Jesus? Did he, throw a stone, sorry. Did he throw a stone at her? <laughs> he let her go and said, don't sin anymore. I'm not condemning you. The psalm was sent into the world not to, not to condemn the world. John 3, 17. But to save the world. Hebrews 1.3, the sun is the radiance of God's glory. Wow. And the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. <laughs> Once again, I'm going to hammer this, by the way, so that you, you get, because this, this is critical. You've got to get that Jesus is the revelation of the Father. When you see Jesus, you see the Father. So when someone says something like, yeah, but God allows. Okay, stop. Go to the life of Jesus. Do you find that in his life? Do you find it in his life? God is allowing me to have this sickness. He's teaching me to be humble and patient and in prayer. And he's, maybe he'll deliver me. Maybe he won't. Okay, fair enough. That could be true. Let's go to the life of Jesus. Do you see him walk up to anyone with sickness and go, bro, I do want to heal you. I actually can heal you. I've proven that. But this particular sickness is from God to teach you a lesson to be patient in prayer, trusting in God. See, you can't even imagine him saying that, right? Jesus is like healed, 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 everyone. All afflictions, all diseases, driving out, driving out all spirits. That's the heart of God. Everything to everyone, everywhere, no exceptions. You know what I'm saying? Ah, oh, Jesus. Oh, this is good. We say, okay, we say this. Humans say this. Human rational thinking. In James, it compares rational human wisdom to demonic wisdom. Do you get that? Way humans naturally think is demonic. Let that sink in for a bit. It's demonic. What's demonic? It causes death. Never really knowing what's true could be this but brother what about this what about what about this and Jesus meant this and just always thinking of theories and ideas and never being settled in truth was Jesus settled in truth could you have said anything to him to sway him from his path but we're swayed so easily we have a hot last week right the weekend was hot right the weather can change us (laughs) picture Jesus doing that it's like I want to go and love some people but 37 today, bro. <laughs> <laughs> Not happening. 
<laughs> but we're like that. Seriously. Now we say, in, um, in Matthew 5, Jesus goes, you have heard it said, right? You have heard it said, da-da-da-da-da. So this is many, many, many times. You have heard it said, but I say. You have heard it said, but I say. Humans say this, but I say. Humans are over here trying to figure out this different understanding of God, but I say. They're very different. That's why you need the mind of Christ. You try and do this thing yourself, you will walk off a cliff. I've tried. I've tried to figure out God, study Him to know Him. You don't study Him to know Him like a textbook. You read the Word and say, Father, show me. And that's why it's called a revelation because it's revealed to your heart. Make sense? Holy Spirit teaches you this stuff. He wrote the book. He knows what it meant. <laughs> and by the way, He's just going to point you always back to Jesus. You'll hear me whenever you guys ask a question, teaching that, pretty much the only thing I ever do is go, okay, let's look at the life of Jesus. Why? Because He is the way, the truth, and the life. Truth is not a concept and a set of ideas. It's a person. Do you get that? Truth is a person. You will never know God, never know God, unless you look at the Son and go, He is perfect theology. See, we try and strive and strain for perfect theology. (sighs) Trying to be that church that has everything, every single doctrine ticked off and all right. You will never get there because Jesus is perfect theology. He is the right way of thinking about God. He is the revelation of the Father. The Son reveals the Father. The Father reveals the Son. (laughs) They image each other. There's, There's zero difference in their character. They have different roles, yes, for sure. But there is zero difference in their character and who they are. The way they view situations is exactly the same. And Jesus says, whatever you ask for believing, you will receive. And we go, that's not true. We go, pray, God might. That's what we do. We say, God allows evil. Then show me that through the life of Jesus. If you can, I'll believe you. I promise, I will believe you. If, if I see a situation with, with Jesus and he walks past evil or he, he just goes, sickness, like we think God does, I'll believe you, 100%, I'm on board. But you can't do it because he's not like that. <laughs> he came to seek and save that which was lost. What was lost? A ton of things. Health, dominion, power, identity, peace, joy, grace, strength. I could go on. All of it. He gives it back to you when he puts his spirit inside of you. See, this is far more about you coming back into who God created you to be from the very beginning. See, they call the, in the Bible, Jesus is called the second Adam. Why is that? Because where Adam failed, Jesus didn't. But what Adam was supposed to do, go, frick off, snake. <laughs> Jesus goes, frick off, snake. <laughs> no, seriously. And, and he, he lives an entire life completely sinless, revealing what Adam should have been like. That's why he's called the second Adam, the last Adam, revealing what we should have done. And then by grace, he gives us his spirit so we can live and walk like him. As God intended from the very beginning, walking with him in the cool of the day. Show me where God's evil. Show me. Show me where there's evil intent behind that. Show me where he allows sickness, evil, suffering. Show me that. You might say, okay, what about Jesus? He got beaten to death and da-da-da-da. Yeah, and, and if you want to follow Jesus, you'll, you'll get that road too. 
you will be persecuted for your faith. But that's not God allowing that. That's living in a sinful world where unbelief cannot stand belief. Mm. And it has to shut it down and destroy it and kill it in every single way you can imagine. Yeah, man, go for it. What about uh, the time when Jesus is in the boat and all these storms and etc. happen? Yeah. What, what's your question there? As in, like, where did the storm come from? Or? Yeah, like, was it Satan? Or? Yeah, it's a good question. Um, me and Jason were talking about this recently, actually. Like, is, is planet Earth, like, alive? Like, is it, like... <laughs> no, there's, like, some verses that would, like... Sound weird. I know, it does. <laughs> Well, there is some verses that would suggest that. But either way, like the, the, entire, the entirety of creation was subjected to the curse when God said, if you eat of it, you will surely die. Particularly also since like, the earth was under the control of, uh, under the dominion of, of humans, right? And the earth got cursed too. All of creation got cursed. It says Romans 8, all of creation is crying out, groaning, waiting for the sons of God to manifest themselves. Waiting for us to take up our mantle of of walking like Jesus and bring life back to this thing that's clearly got death everywhere. The storm, I don't know where it came from, but I don't necessarily want to know either because I'm just, all I see from that story is Jesus gets up and goes, be quiet, goes back to sleep. (laughs) How funny is it that he was dreaming in the middle of the storm? How rock solid do you have to be in your relationship with God that you're going to be okay, that you can sleep and and probably dream in the middle of a storm? Like this storm, they thought they were going to die. So it was a hectic storm, right? Yeah. They were like, we're perishing. Jesus is like, oh, you of little faith, storm be quiet. And they're just like, <laughs> oh my gosh. But do you get that um, God intended that for Adam and Eve? Rule over the earth, subdue the earth, every creeping thing's under you, multiply and fill the earth. Make the, make the rest of the, the world look like this. Bring it into order. That's what pleases God when you walk out what He does. So He's a creator, He's a ruler, He's over everything, you know what I mean? Does that make sense? Yeah. I don't think it oh, could have been demonic, I don't know, but I don't really care because I'm just like, all I know is, is that Jesus had authority over that. And I believe He gives us that authority too because we have His Spirit inside of us and it's no longer I that live, that Christ that lives within me, right? All right, that's another topic we're going to get to another day. Um, maybe a bit too soon. Uh, does that make sense? Does that answer your question? Yeah. Yeah? Okay. Awesome. All right. So we say, God has given me this sickness to teach me and to pray more. Then you're going to have to show me that through the life of Jesus. I'm repeating myself, but intentionally. Show me that through the life of Jesus. Show me how you think about God through the life of Jesus. He's the revelation of the Son. Sorry, of the Father. And a kingdom divided against itself cannot stand, right? So if the Son, if the Father's sending sickness and the Son's cleansing it, that, is that a kingdom divided against itself or what? How, how on earth is that kingdom gonna, ever going to stand? It's just crazy how we think about God, hey. Um, now we say, yeah, we say this. <laughs> this people group sinned, so God wiped them out or he gave them disease. Like there's a tsunami in Japan or something like that and we go, oh, see, they were a godless nation, see, God wiped them out. Okay, well then show me that through the life of Jesus. Show me where someone sins and then Jesus just goes whack and just kills them. <laughs> See, it's, it's laughable, isn't it? But we, how does this thinking get into our heads that God is actually like that when the Son has made it so clear of what the Father is like? Thank you, Jesus. Okay, another verse for you. 
For the law was given through Moses. This is uh, John chapter 1, 17 to 18. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God. But the one and only Son, who is himself God and is in closest relationship with the Father, has, past tense, has made him known. No one's ever seen God. And you say, yeah, but Moses saw him face to face. No one's ever seen God. The Old Testament is not an accurate representation of who the Father is because you only see the justice side. You get to see none of his mercy side and his mercy triumphs over judgment. He will always choose mercy over judgment. Judgment is his last resort. Do you see his heart? He will make things right if he has to. He will bring down the law if he has to. Does he want to? Absolutely not. What does he want? Mercy. Giving you something you did not deserve. (laughs) (sighs) Thank you, Jesus. This last one we can flip to. John 14. I'm going to hammer this point home. So hopefully if you say, but Nath, what about Job? You can just read this. Starting from verse 6, John 14. Jesus said to him, to Thomas, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Hear the language here of how he speaks about him and the Father. If you had known me, you would have known the Father. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father and it is enough for us. Jesus said to him, have I been with you so long? By the way, this is the night before he gets crucified, literally three years later into their their ministry. Jesus said to him, have I been with you so long and you still do not know me, Philip? Whoever has seen me has what? Seen the Father. (laughs) It's so right there. How can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? (laughs) The words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me, lives in me, abides in me, does his works. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or else believe on account of the works themselves. If you read the Gospel of John, it's almost annoying how many times God says Father. It's like Tedef. He's like, this the Father, the Father this, Father this. It's like he's hitting this same nail a billion times just trying to make sure you get it. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And Philip goes three years into the ministry. Lord, show us the Father. And he's like, Philip, bro. If you've seen Jesus, you've seen the Father. Does everyone agree? Is there any possibility where some part of Jesus' life is not seen in in God's heart? No. See, it's black and white. When you see Jesus, you see the Father. It's not like, oh, he he images some of his characteristics, but some he didn't. And that's how we think. That's how we talk. We go, see, it's not exactly the same, Nath, because this and that. Demonic human wisdom. Jesus goes, you've seen me, you've seen the Father. See how simple? I just keep my life so simple, man. I have walked down the path of trying to figure out God. It is horrible. <laughs> I just li- I live so simple now. It's just the best way to do it. 
like Paul writes, I'm going, to I'm going to preach on this one day for shizzle, but Paul writes, <laughs> Paul writes 2 Corinthians, I, I'm worried about you that you're going to leave the simplicity that's in Christ. And just as the serpent deceived Eve, so he'll deceive you. Why did he write simplicity? Because it's so damn simple. See, I'm not making things complex here. I'm actually decomplexifying it. I'm making it so simple. If you see Jesus, who do you see? The Father. So anything that anyone says about God, that's fine. Just show me through the Son. Show me through the Son. God doesn't heal all the time. Okay, show me through the Son. God can't heal that disease. Show me through the Son. God's super angry at you right now because of that sin. Show me that through the Son. So if you can show me that through the Son, I'll believe you. But if you can't, then I'll just think that you're trying to figure out God with your mind. And I don't trust your mind, I trust Jesus. And I trust His very simple words. You've seen me, you've seen the Father. Oh, wow. Thank you, Jesus. I was riding my bike home um, from work last week and this was literally just like popped into my head and I was like, wow, thank you, Jesus. That's so cool. In, I'm not going to flip there, but in Matthew 19, Pharisees and scribes and Sadducees and all those guys come to him and they say, <coughs> um, they ask him a question about divorce. Because there's actually two teachings back in the day about divorce. Some say that you could, because Moses wrote, you can hand a certificate of a divorce to your wife and then you're divorced, right? Some say you can just do that whenever you want, right? Some say, no, there has to be grounds for it, right? So they bring this question to Jesus. Jesus, which one do you pick? Which one do you think he picks? Neither. <laughs> he goes, you don't get it because from the very beginning, God never intended divorce. He actually goes back to creation. And he goes, when he made them, he made them to become one flesh, male and female, one flesh. And what God has joined, let no man separate. Now, what that means is, this is what popped into my head, that there is parts of the Old Testament that God had to write, but never intended to write. Does that make sense? Or at least never wanted to write. Does that make sense? There's a revelation that you can see of the Old Testament God that isn't Him. It's Him when His hand is forced because of sin. Does that make sense? Because there's sin, He has to... It says, it says, Jesus goes, God wrote that, sorry, Moses wrote that because of your hardness of hearts. Because of the state of the people, God had to reveal Himself in a certain way. And we look at the Old Testament and go, God was so disgusting and wrathful and angry and he just wasn't fair at all. And I get that. I can, I can see how you can view it that way. But show me it through the sun. Show me that wrath and that anger and that horrible evilness through the sun. Like if you just had the Old Testament, I'd be like, I can kind of see what you're talking about. But we don't. And we don't even live in that, old coven in that covenant anymore. We live in a new one. Honestly, guys, I, I personally feel this on my heart. Spend most of your reading, especially if you're a new Christian, in the New Testament first. I'm not saying Old Testament is bad or not inspired. It 100% is. All scriptures God breathed. I believe that. But spend most of your time in the New Testament because that's the covenant that you're in. And you've got to see the Old Testament through the New or you'll never understand it. You'll always be trying to theorize about who God is. And you never know Him. And that would be a tragedy if you never knew Him. Because that's the most beautiful thing on this earth. I promise. <sighs> Thank you, Jesus. Now, is this good? Anyone, anyone questions? Anyone making sense? Yeah? I've got some more stuff for you, so <laughs> put your seatbelts on. This one's, this one's crazy. God, God showed me this one as well. I promise. 
No one taught me this. God taught me this. <coughs> now, the best thing is, when Jesus came, right? He came as a man. Right? We all know that, right? He came as a man. Is he God? Yes. I believe, personally, Philippians 2 says, he emptied himself of his divinity and put on humanity. He became like a servant and became exactly like the sons of men. Right? He became like us. He didn't walk around with some massive holy power within him, just like, just life is so easy for him. That wouldn't be him living like us, right? He can relate to every single thing you've ever been through because he walked exactly like us. He was a man. Now, the reason I bring that up is, who did God put in charge of the earth? Man. See? God's word never fails. He's winning victory back through his original word because, okay, I didn't even mention this before. How many of you know, if God says something, he can't unsay it, right? If he said something, like he said, I'm never going to flood the world again, how many of you know, he will never flood the world again? So if he said, I put man in charge of the earth, and then he goes around doing whatever he wants with the earth, to what extent has he actually given man control? He would actually be violating his own command and his own self in order to do that. Maybe if he showed up when the serpent showed up and said, serpent, get out of here, whatever, he would actually be violating his own command. And we say, God, where are you? He goes, I put you in charge of the earth. Not like, I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to enter in. Of course I will, because I love you, and I'm there for you, and I'll give you grace and power and whatever you need. But you see how it's the man giving the command? And so pe people had sickness when Jesus came, right? And Jesus just spoke and said, go. He didn't say, Father, thank you so much for this person. We, I, we know that you love them, God. We're just going to lift them up to you right now in prayer. Just, God, we just ask that you just like, please heal them. Lord, thank you, Jesus. I'm not even saying that prayer is wrong, but he didn't do that. See, he came back with authority. <laughs> and do you know why? Oh, man, God told me this one too. This is crazy. <laughs> it says, Genesis chapter 5, right? Adam and Eve had a son named Seth who was made in the image and likeness of Adam. So that means the curse passed down the line to Seth, to whoever, to whoever, to whoever. All of humanity is then affected by that, right? Passed down through the seed of Adam. And everyone got affected by that. Everyone was made in the image of, born into the image and likeness of Adam, a fallen human. Except one dude who wasn't born of a man. Know what I'm saying? Jesus, conceived by the Holy Spirit, not of the seed of Adam. Born without the sinful nature. Born just like Adam was, in a sinful world for sure. But born without that natural bend towards sin. And that natural bend towards evil to win back what Adam lost. See, we, we want God to just show up in our lives and just do something. God, just do this. Just do that. Just, where are you, God? Heal me. Do this. Save me, God. He would be violating his own command and his own way of doing things by, by always coming in and just doing whatever you want him to do. You know what I mean? He cannot do that. I know it sounds weird to say God cannot, but he, he cannot lie, it says in 2 Timothy. He can't lie. He cannot lie and he cannot go against what he said. It's not part of his character. Zero part of God can do that. So if God says something, he holds to it. 
And that's why it's awesome that Jesus came as a man to win back the authority that man originally lost. Right? Ah, oh, so good. There's more to that. I know, I'm, I'm just going to get it out. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. Holy Spirit. <clears throat> now, at the end of Matthew 28, sorry, at the end of Matthew, Matthew chapter 28, right? He says what? All authority, speaking to his disciples, could I possibly have a drink of water if someone's free? That would be awesome. Um, thanks. Um, <laughs> um, he says, all, say all. All. All, all authority. authority. Oh, so good. <laughs> thanks. Man. Sorry. Oh, thank you. Too many, too many Apple devices here. Um, holy water, yes. Oh, thank you, Jesus. <laughs> Say again. Yeah, I'll just fix that up. Hey, it's good. Thanks, man. Appreciate that. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, sure. <laughs> and they're right here. So there you go. No, I do the same, Kathy. I, I appreciate that. It's just my favorite cabinet. Of course. Let's keep it in good nick. Yeah. I'm not surprised. <laughs> yeah. They'll probably listen to the recording, but that'll be that'll be a week from now. Um, yeah. <laughs> now, we want God to move, right? We want God to do this, this and that. God says, No, I'm gonna move through humanity. We're not okay with that. But that's how he's doing things, okay? That's how he's doing things. If uh, a demon shows up in your room, you don't go, God, please get rid of it for me. He's given you the authority to get rid of it yourself. And he showed you that through Jesus. And that's why he gave you his spirit and his authority and his word to say, go. And it goes. Make sense? That's how he works. That's how he's going to keep on working because he's intimately, he's so intimately involved in humanity. That's how he's woven in, right? He's actually doing it through us. And we go, God, where are you? He goes, where are you? I gave you an entire New Testament and I made it so clear that my son is exactly what I'm like. I gave you his spirit and everything you need to be able to do what you need to do. And you're saying, where am I? I'm saying, where are you? Where are you? Are you walking in my word or are you just sitting in your bedroom crying and waiting for me to do something? Because I did do something. I sent my son. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> Hebrews 1 says he spoke to us in the former days through the prophets right in the old writings but now he has spoken through his son past tense so he's not going to speak again in that sense he has spoken once for all through his son Jesus is the answer. Yep. So good. Um, and honestly, like the more I think about it, I prefer it this way. I don't want God to just be like, zap thing fixed for you. I want, to, I want to do it with him. I want to know what he's like. I want to know what he originally created me for. I want to know like the joy that Jesus had. Yeah. I want to know what it was like to, to lay hands on someone and say, 
be healed in Jesus' name or whatever he, Jesus said. <laughs> and then watch the cancer leave and then see someone's face go, I want to know that. I don't, want, I don't want to just pray and let God do it. I want to walk with Him. I want to be His son and I want Him to be my father and I want to walk with Him in everything of life and I want to know what He intended for me from the very beginning. What would I have looked like if, if Adam never took, took the, the, the fruit? What would my life look like? I want to know. And you know what? You can. It's all in your perspective though, all how you see it. So if you're waiting for God to do something, you've got to reread this book, man. Seriously. Because He's waiting on you, I promise. And if you feel like you're actually beaten, burnt, uh, beaten down and burdened by that sentence where it's like, bro, I can't do anything, I understand that. Because sometimes you're in a place where you need someone to come and minister to you and to declare that authority over you and set you free. That's what the community is there for, right? That's what the church is there for. Um, do you know he writes, Romans 16, Paul writes, The God of peace will soon, this is verse 20, The God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. Did you know God wrote that? He didn't, he didn't even say under Jesus' feet. He said under your feet. Do you know why? We're the body of Christ. Think about that for a second. He's the head. We're the body. We're the feet. They're on the body. <laughs> <laughs> he will crush him under your feet. Amen. 16.20. Romans. How much better is this than... Pray a prayer, and one day I'll come back and take you the frick out of here. <laughs> oh, sorry, sorry if, if frick uh, annoys you um, or offends you. I just get, get taken away sometimes. Um, I should say flip. That's better, isn't it? Um, but how, how funny is that that we reduce the gospel and the main thing we preach at church to pray this prayer, come on, pray after me. Father, forgive me of my sin. Father, forgive me of my sin. I want to go to heaven with you one day. I want to go to heaven with you. You know, it's just like, it just becomes this formulaic, zero power, zero revelation of who you actually are. You basically just go, I need you, God, which is great. Like, you do need that to be in a, a place where you're like, I need you, God. But if it doesn't, it doesn't, if it doesn't go from there to, okay, now let's start walking like Jesus, then honestly, you're in the devil's playground, to be honest might sound like a harsh statement but you are because you're not walking in truth because Jesus is the truth Jesus is the way Jesus is the life and you've got to walk in him you've got to walk in him or you just we just open ourselves up to all these things that are just not God do you know what I mean don't feel condemned if you if you feel like you're in a season where you actually are being attacked and condemned and whatever like I'm not saying that's your fault but how cool is it that this teaching has come to us like, not everyone is privileged to have this teaching. I'm not saying my teaching, but I, I got taught this. I didn't, like, someone taught me. And then someone taught him. And, like, now we're, I'm teaching to you guys. It's awesome. And you guys can go teach to others. Like, that's what I want. But how cool is it that we get that and we can actually go, oh, that's what you intended, God. Okay, I'm going to start walking that way. And you can get out of that funk that you're living in where it's like, I'm just waiting for God. I'm just in a dry season right now. I just... Just don't know. I just don't know where he is. It's like, bro, like, you're just made for so much more than that. And I get that you feel that way, but let's not live life by our feelings, right? Let's live by Jesus. Jesus is the revelation of how, who you actually were meant to be. 
<laughs> this might sound crazy, but when you look in the Gospels and you read about Jesus, you're supposed to see you. Do you get that? You're not supposed to see this like person whom you can never reach. Jesus was a man just like we were, empowered by the Holy Spirit, obeying God. And now we have a new nature. I get that before we couldn't have done that because we were sinful by nature and evil, but we've been made new, new creations in Him. No longer Christ living, uh, no longer we living, but Christ living in us. He's the firstborn among all creation. His spirit is inside of us. We've been conformed to His image. These are all scriptures. As, as the Father has sent me, so I send you. Jesus said that. Think about that for a second. As the Father sent Him, how did He send Him? Plenty of different ways. To heal, to preach, to deliver, to save. Jesus goes, yeah, that, you. <laughs> we, we make it so complex. <laughs> Jesus makes it simple. How good is simplicity? When you, when you finally simplify something, you're like, oh, I finally get it. You know that's God's realm? And that complexity is the devil's realm? Deep theology, thinking, overthinking, analyzing, critiquing, this person's opinion and this footnote and this theology and all that stuff. It's a devil's playground, I promise. I'm not saying God doesn't go deep, but what I'm saying is you constantly overthinking, critiquing and not living in simplicity of Christ will destroy your mind. Okay. Do you know that John writes, this is the message we have heard from him and declared to you. God is light. Hear this language. God is light. In him, there is no darkness at all. <laughs> it's, I just laugh because it's so simple. God's light. Is there darkness in him? No. Not even a little bit? No. You sure? He's not even like a tiny bit evil. Like he kind of intends me to get hurt by this. No. He wants good for me all the time. Yes. He loves you. Yes. He's light. Yes. <laughs> Come on. How's this one? 1 Timothy 2, 3 to 4. God wants all. Say all. All. People. All people. <laughs> all people. God wants all people. God wants all people <laughs> to be saved. Say, I've got to say it like that or you won't listen. God wants all people to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. <laughs> God wants the whole world to get saved. Even Donald Trump. <laughs> even Osama bin Laden. Even demonic uh, sat Satanists. Yeah, everyone. Are you sure? Yeah, everyone. But that's not happening. Well, I guess then maybe not everything that happens is exactly God's will. Maybe there's a lot of stuff that's happening right now that's not God's will. Yeah. We think everything that happens is His will. That ain't true. Because He wants all people to be saved. Is everyone saved? No. no. Not even close. So we've got some work to do. Now, I'm not saying that there aren't heavy, hectic verses in the Bible. There are. They're there, and you'll read them, and they're true. 100%. The main point I'm trying to say is, what is God's actual desire? Because you realize it says in, I think it's Psalms or Proverbs... I should have written this down, that he takes absolutely no pleasure in the death of the wicked. And you realize that he actually wrote that hell was created for, the, for Satan and his angels, not humans. Do you realize that it says that your name will be blotted out from the book of life? 
you know what that infers? Everyone's name is written in the book of life. God wants all people to be saved. See how good he is? Find me where he's evil. Find me where he's unjust. And if you want, we can talk about this later. Like if you've got, if you've got particular verses that are pressing on your head right now, we'll talk, we'll talk about it later for sure. But the point is, is Jesus the revelation of God? We've, de- we've decided that. We've declared that. So if we, see, if we see him, we see the Father. And I cannot for the life of me find evil in him. I only find love. And yes, at times it's harsh. But love actually is harsh to some extent. Tough love. Yeah, it's good. Love is driven by need, not by want. Whatever the person in front of him needs, that's what he'll do. Someone being hard-hardened and religious, he'll rebuke them. Why? No other way into their heart. They need to get sad over their own hypocrisy. You'll see that when he, talk, when he speaks to Pharisees. Okay. okay. Do you notice that people say, if God's good, then why do you do this? When no one says, if God's evil, why do you send his son? Everyone goes, if God's good, how can you let this happen? No one goes, hang on, if God's evil, why the heck did he send his son? I have never heard anyone say that. But how much is it exactly the same thing just flipped? See, we go immediately to the negative and put God on trial. If you have God on trial in your life right now, you're not seeing him clearly, just so you know. 100%. (laughs) Um, we don't have time to do Job. We don't have time to do Paul Thorne. Um, maybe next week we can come back if we've got some stuff that's not tied up yet. Um, can you see how this way, uh, the, the normal human way of thinking, what it actually does is gets you to lower your shield of faith? Mm. Well, God's sovereign, man. God, God's will is, is always going to happen. So what's the point of praying against it? Because what God says will happen. And what do you do? Oh, lower my shield sheath my sword take my armor off because the devil knows okay this is what it says about the shield of faith Ephesians 6 right the, the shield of faith quenches all say all. all all fiery darts of the enemy that's what faith does it blocks every single attack who believes that yeah. every single attack so does the devil know that Yes. Does he read scripture? Yes. Does he memorize scripture? Yes. So then what does he do? The only thing he possibly can do is make you go, lower your shield. Then every single fiery dart hits you. (laughs) Seriously, it does. (laughs) You've got no shield. (laughs) Have you guys seen the movie Panic Room? Yeah. Okay. Panic Room, just quickly, I like this illustration. Panic Room is this uh, movie about this lady who's bought an apartment and it has a panic room in it. The panic room is absolutely, utterly impenetrable. You cannot get in if someone's in there and lock the door, right? That's how it's designed. There's actually hidden in the bottom billions of dollars, right? Because the guy who designed it put it in there and he's going to come and grab it one day. So that's the story, right? And they're breaking into the house to try and get this money, right? The guy who designed it is part of the team trying trying to get the money, right? And one of his sidekicks goes... How do we get in? Because she actually runs into the thing and she blocks the door and, and they're like, you can't get in. We have to get her to come out. Right? How do we attack Christians? We can't. We have to get them to think that they're vulnerable. Yeah. 
and lower the shield of faith mm. and sheath the sword, sword of the Spirit. How amazing is that? See, the devil knows Scripture better than you. But if you hold to it, you realize you're invincible. You realize it actually says in three different places, that's one of them, blocks every fiery dart. It actually says, if you practice these qualities, like faith, virtue, da da da, all these things in 2 Peter 1, right? You can look this up. You will never fall. Wow. Jesus, uh, God wrote that <laughs> through Peter, but God wrote that. It says in 1 John, I think it's uh, chapter 5, the enemy cannot touch him. Talking about who? Us. How many of us get touched by the enemy? I do all the time. But he can't touch me. Yeah, but he touches you, Nate. No, he can't touch me. See, I just hold on to that. I just never, ever lower my shield. My shield is I am protected by God. I have Jesus. He's inside me. He's with me right now. I have truth to defend my heart. And I have faith to hold up a shield. And I have the sword of the Spirit to stab him. <laughs> it's good. Go read Ephesians 6. Um, wow. I know I've gone for a while, but I'm almost finished. It's good. Good, I will. <laughs> um, John 10.10. 10. Who knows John 10.10? 10? The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But I have come, Jesus saying this, I have come that they may have life and have life to the full. Or have life abundantly. No, it's the same thing. Have life abundantly or have life to the full. We go... We get cancer, we get sick, we get hit by bills, we get this, and we go, God's killing, stealing, and destroying my life. That's what we do, sometimes. No. <laughs> like, the thief does that. See, I, I, I'm, I'm strongly against the common and normal teaching of the sovereignty of God, if you haven't got that by now. I am strongly against that. I actually do believe God is sovereign. He is over all. He is in charge. But not everything that happens is God. Question? Okay. Um, not everything that happens is God's will. Right? We take the sovereignty of God and we say, no, everything that does happen is His will and just trust Him if something's going bad right now because he's, he's got this figured out. Which actually He does. But to say that He allowed that or brought that on you, that ain't right. And like I said before, that will destroy your intimacy with God. And then also what happens, if you believe that about His sovereignty and His will, right? Where does the thief come in? Mm. Like, I feel like, the th how funny is this, right? The thief gets ignored. Mm. Whose idea was that? Maybe the thief. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe the one who's the father of lies. That's what he's called. And from the very beginning was twisting God's words. Mm. Twisting, twisting, twisting. But it's good news because Jesus is the truth. And if you just hold to his life, oh my goodness, you'll be set free. Oh my goodness, you'll be set free. <sighs> he came to give life and life abundantly. Don't forget that. <sighs> Two more things. Two more things. I wonder if Satan knows the whole Bible. And I wonder if he knows that you can't be touched when you have your armor on. And I wonder if his plan, once he knew that you were untouchable, was not to give up and surrender, but to change the way you think so that you would think that you can be touched. 
and therefore you are because you drop your shield. I wonder if his plan was to split the church over as many denominations and theories of teaching as you can possibly count so no one knows what's right and no one's comparing to the life of Jesus. I wonder if Satan, when, 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 when Jesus was raised from the dead and he realized he absolutely screwed up by killing him because that's what messed him up. See, God played him so hard. (laughs) <laughs> he did. It's a complete assault, ambush. Um, I wonder if Satan didn't freak out and go, it's all over. I wonder if he just goes, no, it's the same thing as when Adam and Eve are in the garden. They don't have a sinful nature anymore if they're in Christ, but neither did Adam and Eve, and I still made them sin. How'd you do that? Twisting the words of God. <sighs> I wonder if he made the will of God unknowable when the Bible says you can know it and you can see it through the life of Jesus. So God's a mystery. We don't know what he's doing, Nate. You can't say all that stuff. And then you distance yourself from him. I wonder if he wasn't worried about righteousness because he could make you think you weren't righteous. And therefore you would never actually put on your righteous identity and walk it out. See, there's a scheme against you. That's why when, like, my sister Chloe got baptized recently she got baptized and then immediately got attacked by the enemy just up here because there's like when you start moving towards god you're going to get smashed by this stuff he's terrified you're going to find out who you actually are do you see that he's terrified you're going to see yourself how god sees you and he'll use every means to get you to think another way including i'll say it bible colleges i'm not against bible colleges in any way i love teaching i'm teaching right now (laughs) but I'm against lies. I hate lies. And you know what lies are? Just anything that's not Jesus. See how simple it is? We make it so complex in the church. You never know what's going on in the church. Seriously. I love the church. I love the people. I love the church. The church is amazing. But we've got a lot of lies in the church. And if we hold to Jesus as a community, imagine if we were just a community that just held to Jesus. Oh my goodness. Such a simple thing is that. Every, every time that a thought comes up about God, you go, yeah, okay, let's have a look at the life of Jesus. Can I see that? No, it's actually laughable. If you put it in Jesus' mouth. Sweet. I'm going to keep walking this way then. Imagine if we just did that. It's just simple. <sighs> um, last thing. God is good. And you can confidently know this because Romans 5, 8. This is the last thing I'll say. I know I've gone over time. I'm sorry. Romans 5, 8. Um, flip to it if you want make sure it's highlighted it is one of the most important verses in the entire Bible in my opinion Romans 5 8 but God demonstrates his own love for us in this while we were still sinners Christ died for us while you had zero desire for him, zero intent to repent and walk back, God already moved. God already played his, his play. <laughs> God already sent his son. While you didn't care, he sent his son. And we worry if God loves us. That literally proves beyond any shadow of a doubt that he does love us because he sent his son. While you were sinners, while you were against him, giving him the finger, caring less about living a godly life, 
caring less about your identity and your, your value and what God intended for your life. Caring less. And that's when God sent His Son. Not when the church goes, God, we need serious help here. Send something, someone, please. No one's even asking that. And God sends His Son. You know what? As Isaiah, it says, this, this, this is crazy. It pleased the Father to crush Him. It pleased the Father to crush His Son. Do you see His heart? Do you see His goodness? Do you see how much He cares about you that He would happily crush His Son? <coughs> Do you think He wants to crush His Son? No one wants to crush their Son. But does He want to lose you? Absolutely not. And He'll crush His Son to get to you. Wow. You, know, you, know, you know He didn't have to send Jesus. God was under zero obligation to send Jesus. Like, think about it. Think about creation, how I just told it. What obligation was he to come in and say, I'm going to send my son one day? <laughs> Zero obligation. He had every right to wipe them out and say, that was a bad idea. Yeah. <laughs> but he sent his son. He sent his son. He didn't have to send his son. You know, we could live in a world right now where there's no Jesus. Can you just picture that for one second? Imagine there's no, there's, there's no hope. Like the hopelessness you see around you, that, that's it. Australia, first world country, as good as it gets. You were lucky to be born here. This is not going to get any better. Sorry. Imagine living like that. The brokenness and the hurt and the pain and the lack of love. Oh, I can't even stand that thought. Love is what makes this, makes this life worth living. Just close your eyes for a bit. I'm actually going to play a song. I've not done this before. So I brought my speaker. And this song is about, it's from Bethel, and it's called Thank You. And it's like, Jesus, you actually totally did not have to come. I just want you to think about the cross and the fact that he did actually come. And I know some stuff was brought up tonight that um, people are going to want prayer for and people are going to want repentance over. And as we play this song, I just want you to think about Jesus, think about the cross, and then put your hand up if you need prayer. And then people around you, just open your eyes every now and then, just look if see someone needs prayer, and then just start praying for them. We, we need to break this lie. This was the most intense teaching note I've done yet because, like I said, you don't counterfeit $1 coins. Yeah. You, counterfeit a, you counterfeit the big ones because when you counterfeit the big stuff, you gain a lot more, right? So if, if Satan's going after anything, he's going after the goodness of God. And we've muddled it up in religion and, and rules and morality and thinking and perspectives and theology when Jesus is perfect theology this whole time. Jesus is the revelation of the Father. And if you're not saved tonight, put your hand up. And someone will come with you and pray with you. And you can lay your life down and actually find out what it looks like to live in your destiny, your value, your potential, your design from the very beginning. It can start tonight. you just got to lay yourself down and say, Jesus, I live for you now and you. I want you to come and live in me.
thank you, Jesus, so much for the cross. You are beautiful. You are more glorious than we could ever possibly imagine. I can't even comprehend your glory, God. Like my prayers, my teaching, my worship is like not worthy. It is so totally not worthy. I know when I see you, I'm just going to fall flat on my face and be like, I am so not worthy. And you're going to pick me up and go, you're worthy of my blood. And I can't comprehend that, Lord, but you are just beautiful and you love us and you are good and you've always been good. And we're sorry, God, that we called you the thief and we called you the stealer and the liar and destroyer and the killer. You didn't kill. You didn't take any of our relatives. You You didn't give anyone sickness. You brought healing. You didn't take the dead. You told us to raise the dead. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you just for perspectives shifting and changing tonight, God. Thank you just for worship, Lord. Let worship arise out of your hearts, guys. Just worship Him right now, God. Just say, Jesus, we love you. You are beautiful. And I'm reminded of how beautiful you are tonight. Pour your heart out to Him. Just let your faith rise and just be like, wow, God, you're here. You love this. You're in the middle of this. You are the revelation of the Father. <laughs> when I see you, I see God. And I love when I see you because I, now I love what God looks like. Because I love your life, Jesus. I want to live like that. That's, that looks like the most freeing, loving life I've ever seen. More than any other human I could ever imagine. I know men did not make this up because it's impossible for someone to make up you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus.